Good morning. Ah, thank goodness for that. I'm going to kick off my shoes because um, uh, I want to feel like um, we're a family this morning and this is like our front room and we're just discussing stuff together. Um, what I don't want to do is, is present this as kind of me preaching something and uh, you kind of sit there listening, although inevitably there is going to be a bit of listening involved. Um, but we're doing stuff together. That's kind of the overwhelming message is we're, we're doing things together and there's, no, uh, there's nobody apart from Jesus lording it all over all that we're doing. So as I bring stuff this morning, um, you know, take it in that kind of vein. You know, take it that, that this, is, this is us doing this together. This is not just other people doing this and I'm carrying doing my own thing. But what we're bringing is we're bringing something that means we're unifying the body of Christ, not only in this congregation here, but across the city. Okay, so um, I'm just going to remind ourselves of a number. I've been trying to bring this for about four weeks. Um, and, and, And God just kept doing something on the Sunday mornings. How dare he? How dare the Holy Spirit interrupt and kind of knock us off track on what we're doing. It's been brilliant, hasn't it? It's been brilliant. This year, as you started off with such a wonderful sense of his presence, uh, and just kind of our eyes seem to have opened, and, and, uh, and our skin can kind of seems to be able to touch him, and we can smell him, we can, we can see him, or we, at least we can see the angelic. And uh, long may that continue. Let, it, let us keep open, let us keep our hearts open to him. And what he's doing. And as long as we focus on him and have him as the very kind of center of what we're doing, then we're not going to go far wrong, are we? Okay, there's not this front room thing. You know, when you're talking to people, talk to you back. Okay, let me ask you again. We're going to do this together, aren't we? Yay, fantastic, wonderful. Okay. At least that's what happens in my front room anyway. uh, Above the noise of the kids and the TV and everything else. Anyway. Okay. Um, so we're going to talk about the vision. So this is part two of the vision of what John Casey brought ages ago now. It feels like a long time ago. Um, but I'm going to remind us of what John brought. Because um, this vision that we've got, this, that we are to be kingdom builders, not empire builders, is, is absolutely key to where we're going. That anything that we do or anything that we set our minds to, anything we set our hands to, we're going to come back and go, is that lining up? kingdom building or empire building and that's what we're going to that's our plumb line on everything is this to advance his kingdom or is this just to create a empire for ourselves or a cozy club for ourselves or whatever you want to call it so everything that we do every individual that's a part of this family here is what we're about to do and what we're about to engage in going to extend his kingdom in some way uh, it's really important that we remember that. So we have to be kingdom builders, not empire builders. And that's why it was wonderfully poignant when we saw the slide appear at this gather conference on the opening kind of speech of the opening day, kingdom builder, uh, to kingdom, not empire. Because hallelujah, you think, wow, spirit, you really do speak to lots of people at the same time. And, uh, <laughs> you know, absolutely outstanding. It's wonderful. So... Part of this kingdom builders and empires is recognizing that um, our Sundays are not our Christian life. Sunday mornings are not where we become Christian and we have a nice time for an hour and a half 
and then we go off and we pretend to be Christian. I'm not suggesting anybody here is doing that. I'm just using those words to make a point that it isn't about the Sunday morning gathering. And as soon as we start thinking that church is all about the Sunday morning gathering, guess what? Empire. That's what it builds. That's what it brings because we're not extending it beyond these four walls. And kingdom is about extension. So if we're sucking everything into here, we're in danger of building empire and not extending kingdom. Does everybody understand that? Yeah, wonderful, fantastic. And the thing about vision, however, without strategy, it can begin to lag after a little while, wouldn't you agree? That we could say we are to be kingdom builders and not empire builders to a blue in the face. But eventually, if we don't do anything with that, if we don't strategize, at least to begin with and set something in motion, eventually, it'll just become a sentence that we say and has no relevance to any other part of our lives. So we have to begin to strategize. And that's what we mean by a vision, by saying this is our vision for 2012 and beyond. Now, the vision we have, this this kingdom building vision, it's not my vision. It's not John's vision. It's not Cass' vision. It's not Kate's vision. It's not any of the wider kind of leadership's vision. It's God's vision. And why am I so sure about that? Well, we've just told you. He's been speaking to lots of other people about the same thing across the UK. So that's good. But even before that, we recognize that it's God's vision because on those Monday night prayer times that we started in October last year, when we initially, this is so funny about those prayer times, we initially kind of started them to pray about us and what we're doing. And, to, and, and that's all kind of good. You know, that's, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. But what he did was he then, it just, it just, moved us towards praying for the city and then praying for the nation. And I even tried on a number of occasions to say, let's pray about this work and that work that we're doing and Sunday Night Live and all this kind of stuff. I lasted for about 10 minutes. And then we started praying about the city and about the nation of which we're a part. And that was brilliant because even though we, we, we ended up for those number of months, and obviously we're starting again every Monday night, even though we were praying about the city and about the nation, God still gave us guidance and direction about what to do as a family here. So even as we prayed out, he blessed us by giving us word about what the direction that we should go. Kingdom builders, not empire builders. That's what he was saying to us. That's what he was talking to us about. And he'll continue to shape it. He'll continue to change it. He'll continue to morph it. Um, and the two things... So you've got, you've got his kind of prophetic word through the prayer times. Then we've got the word. What does the word say about kind of how we do this thing called church? And the word tells us that Jesus was obsessed with kingdom. So if we are his church, then let's become obsessed with kingdom and what that means and how we outwork it and what does it do. So together with, with the spirit and the word coming together, God is casting his vision for us to be kingdom builders not empire builders. And I think I shared, it was Pete Gray over there actually that, that put this thing in my head that um, when we cast a vision, it's not like, you could see it sometimes, like you're putting it out there, you know, and you're casting your vision out and you're going to then reel it back in, see what you've caught and then and cast it back out again. But actually Pete said to me, cast, to cast something, it's like you can do it like a, like a, a, a pottery, you know, a pot. 
You can cast a pot. And you can mold it and you can shape it and you can make it into a container to put things in. So when we think about our vision, don't think about that we're just throwing it out there. But actually, we're very physically and tangibly creating something, touching something, forming something that God in his gracious will has given us the responsibility to kind of do, to to shape and, and what have you. And we can fill it with all sorts of stuff as we begin to pray more and prophesy more and and pray blessings into the city he'll tell us what to fill it with so that we're building his kingdom we're filling his kingdom um it was brilliant this morning we we had a little prayer time um just me me john and and rizon we kind of disappeared into the prayer room and everybody's welcome on the morning by the way if you get here at half ten you don't particularly want a coffee or anything john is in the prayer room and we prayed blessing on other congregations this morning. And we prayed that their, their places and where they're at will be filled to overflowing. Because it's not about empire building. It's about kingdom building. And if every other family of believers is filled to overflowing in this city, that's going to be a real impact. That's going to send out a real message to this city and to the nation beyond. So we don't just pray for ourselves. We can pray for the harvest to be brought in for ourselves but actually if we pray blessing out there we'll receive blessing with ourselves as a family and it was wonderful to do that to just put that stake in the ground and go we're going to pray for other people to be blessed other congregations to be blessed and for them to be filled with 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 those that don't believe yet and then they can turn to christ and and repent and be baptized that's amazing so but coming back to our strategy and what we're doing and what we're going to do. I mean, personally for me, I think our strategy and, and, and the way that we work it out is going to enable us to become more involved in the body of Christ in Leeds. And, you know, I, I kind of said that I didn't get to bring this message for four weeks. Well, actually, I believe that God was delaying it. And other people have said that to me. God was delaying it and delaying it and delaying it until we've been to this gather conference, for one. Because this gather conference is all about unity. All about different expressions of church working together doing stuff together social action out there in our city reducing the inequality leveling that off in our city and i believe that this strategy is the beginning beginning of enabling us to do that so let's let's kind of move on a little bit because i'm aware of the time all yeah we should be okay we should get through all this kind of stuff let us remind ourselves um what john casey brought when he spoke a number of weeks ago and he brought this list of what is kingdom and what is kind of empire what is the world and there are very there are definite differences there's no kind of grays there's no shades of gray in this it's either kingdom or it's not and so these are the things and i'm going to i'm going to speak these out to remind ourselves to get those juices flowing so we are uh, what is our source it's heaven not the world what is our headship? It's Christ, not man. What is our foundation? It's Christ's nature, not sinful nature. Who's at work? The Holy Spirit, not the spirit of this world. The influence is through serving, not domineering. Purpose is to elevate Christ. The world's purpose is to elevate man. Who are we dependent on? We're dependent on God, not ourselves. What is our motivation? Our motivation primarily is love and not to be selfish. 
and our perspective should be eternal and not temporal. Everything we do is about building, building on, building on to think beyond ourselves. I remember just to touch on that last week, uh, I think it was Sandra was here last week, she talked about the favor. And in our table, that we, when we were talking about where do you see God's favor, we, we kind of ventured into this arena of thinking about cathedrals. And that, um, you know, in, in, in the days gone by when people put their, you know, their, when they designed these cathedrals and they started laying down the foundations and the stone and the brickwork and all that, they knew that they were not going to be alive when it was finished. They knew that what they were building were for generations to come and that it would be their grandson or their great-grandson or even their great-great-grandson who would actually lay the last stone in that building and see this glorious um, uh, building that they'd done to honor God with. But that didn't matter. They laid that stone and they started the work recognizing it was something way beyond themselves. Um, somebody reminded me, uh, everybody heard of Bill Johnson, Bethel? Yeah? They've got a hundred year vision. I said, they've got a hundred year vision. That's a good start. It's not eternity, but it's a good start. So they've not got a, a short to mid to long term vision. I'm sure they have in kind of where they work out some of that strategy. But ultimately, what's going, what are we going to look like a hundred years from now? What a refreshing way of looking at things. Not about what's it going to look like in 20 years' time or 30 years' time. What's it going to look like when I'm dead? That's effectively what Bill's saying. What's it going to look like when I'm dead? You know, what am I going to look back on and look down on the earth and see what they built? A hundred year vision. So get that into your perspective. We're not building something for your lifetime. We're building it from beyond ourselves into eternity. And that's kingdom. So what's the glue that holds us together? A devotion to Christ. In the world, what holds peoples together is their prejudices. Prejudices. Stuff that they don't like. What's our outlook? Our outlook is to bless. The world's outlook is to consume. Folks, the world has infected the church in its consumerist nature. You come to receive rather than come to give. I'm not suggesting any of you do that. I'm making a generalization, but it is a a true generalization. How funky can the worship band be? How great can the lighting be? How charismatic can the leader be? What can I take? What can I receive? What can I have? What's the next big thing? What's the next big model? Where can I go? What are they doing that's so new and creative that I can just be a part of? We are to bless. To give out. That should be our first port of call. You come to a situation, you meet people, you don't say, what can I get from that person? You give. You bless. You don't consume. Our focus are his interests. The empire of the world says it's about us. Disputes. Well, disputes in the kingdom, it's about humility, restoration, and then forgiveness. In the world, it's about revenge, retaliation, and restitution. You know, this thing that we've got at the moment about, you know, small claims courts and I've hurt my neck and I've got whiplash. It's all about me. What can I get? What can I solve financially? Even marriages, when they divide and they split. Right, what can you have? What can you have? How many times can we have the kids? They put value on children. Our courts put value on children about how much are you going to be able to provide for them financially rather than how much are you going to be able to provide for them in love. There is wisdom in that, I recognize that, but ultimately it's about finance. 
situation. We've got to be in a place of contentment, not frustration. And what do we see in the future? Dependence on, on him, not anxiety. Now, tomorrow will take care of itself and freedom. We live in liberty, not in indulgence. And that's what the world wants us to, to kind of concentrate on. So we're going to do some practical stuff. Okay, we're going to take just a few minutes to do this. Alan, you're going to love this, mate. Um, it's what John kind of skipped past, but I think it's important that we spend some time thinking about those things that have just gone across that you've been taking notes on. Uh, and take, take a few minutes and do these things here. So suggest other possible ways in which the kingdom of God contrasts with this world. Because I'm sure that list isn't the only kind of list we can create. Describe examples where you've seen either of those characteristics in action. Where do you see kingdom in action? Where do you see the world in action? I've probably touched upon one or two Discuss how you can be more aware of the subtle ways that the world characteristic manifests in you and, and me, you know, in each other. Let's, let's try and make ourselves aware of where that happens. I, I'll, I'll give you one example for me on that one. I love apple. Not apples. Apple. And I'm excited when I know there's a new iPhone coming out or a new iPad coming out. That's so consumerist of me. I'm probably still going to get it, but <laughs> but I recognise that ultimately that's not that's not God's way of doing things. Um, but I get excited about that. That's probably a bad example. But anyway, um, and and through all this, and um, be careful not to name people or even places. So if you're given examples of where you see kingdom in action or or world in action, um, just be careful not to kind of mention names and places and try and make it a bit ambiguous. So. We're going to take a few minutes now to do that. So sit around. You can take notes if you like. I'm not going to ask anybody to share afterwards. This is purely for your benefit. If there's only two on the table, I suggest... I'm sure there's loads of conversations that could go on for probably longer than that, probably 15 or even 20 minutes, but I'm conscious of the time, so I'm going to bring us back in and we can discuss those at another opportunity. Just to remind everybody that John's notes are available on the website. So if you want to be reminded of that list and those questions, you might want to discuss in your own time. Just go to the website, citychurchleads.net. Click on the audio section. There's a note bit. You can download them from there in PDF format. Let me remind you now of, of three key ingredients that John also spoke about regarding 2012. And there were these, there were these three things. We're going to put much more emphasis, this is where we're starting to get into strategy now, of how do we kind of do this kingdom building thing, that we, which we've, we've recognized and we've spoke about and we've seen a list and we've, we begin to think about that. So three, much, three, three things. So much more emphasis on living local. Much more emphasis on living local. So in other words, concentrating on the places in which we actually live in terms of seeing his kingdom come. Because we're a quite odd bunch um, in that we don't necessarily come from this, all of us don't necessarily come from this parish, as it were. We, we come from all over the place. I mean, some folks travel from York, some folks traveling from Wakefield, and uh, loads of us from Pudsey, and all are kind of, you know, quite far. I think we're probably the closest. Maybe some of the students are a bit closer. We're probably London. We're probably... <laughs> We're lovely to have Beth back amongst us, briefly, briefly. 
Anyway, um, yeah, we live in Headingley, so I mean, we're kind of kind of close there. But so, emphasis on living local, and how do we impact that? Prayer, once again, John mentioned it already, but this unity thing, taking back into that unity thing, that prayer has to be foundational in all that we do. I'm gonna, I am going to break these down in a, a little bit later. Uh, and then the third thing was that we work with others in our locality, so others in where we live or where we have a heart for, where we have a, I think in one of the um, things that's been on your table, what, what we, uh, ident- areas that we identify with, um, and how can we bless those neighborhoods by doing good. So how can we get ourselves involved in things that are already happening on the ground in those areas? And again, I'm going to bring these out uh, in detail. In Romans 15:19, at last we get to some scripture. In Romans 15:19, it talks about what Christ desires to accomplish through us, to speak and live the gospel by word and deed, uh, and by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of of the Spirit of God. And that's what we can bring to our localities. An example of word and deed. And bring the power of the Spirit through people observing signs and wonders. It doesn't just happen on a Sunday morning in a two hour or two and a bit hour meeting. But these things are for the world to see. The world to see the power of God right on their doorstep. Okay. Let me read you this. Um, it's, it's a few verses but what, as I read it and, and those of you who get the daily verse you'll have, you'll have seen this kind of broken down over a week because I sent it out um, with a little kind of thing attached to it I'm going to read this out so trying to get ahead of me it's always a danger when you do that isn't it you've probably already read it now even though I've babbled on for a few minutes this is, this is key all of this is key so take in every line as I read this This is the kind of fast day I'm after. To break the chains of injustice. Get rid of exploitation in the workplace. Free the oppressed. Cancel debts. What I'm interested in is seeing you do is sharing your food with the hungry. Inviting the homeless poor into your homes. Putting clothes on the shivering ill-clad. Being available to your own families. I just want to pause. It's important that we're available to our own families. It's just as important as, as reaching the lost, as feeding the poor and, you know, getting rid of our world, getting rid of the oppression in our world, but connecting with your families. You do this and the lights will turn on and your lives will turn around at once. So some clues there for us where we think our lives are going a bit weird or a bit awry. Start doing this stuff, and your lives will be turned around at once. Your righteousness will pave your way. The God of glory will secure your passage. And then when you pray, God will answer. You'll call out for help, and he'll say, here I am. Maybe not like that, but he'll say, here I am. If you get rid of unfair practices, quit blaming victims Quit gossiping about other people's sins inside and outside the church. Stop it. If you're generous with the hungry and start giving yourselves the down and out, your lives will begin to glow in the darkness. Your shadowed lives will be bathed in sunlight. Somebody said at the the gather conference, it's not about the quality of the darkness, it's about the quality of the light. 
So stop worrying about how dark the world is and start concerning yourself about what kind of light you're bringing to that darkness. I will always show you where to go. I'll give you a full life in the emptiest of places. Firm muscles, strong bones. You'll be like a well-watered garden, a gurgling spring that never runs dry. Note this end bit. Sear this into your brain. You'll use the old rubble of past lives to build anew. Rebuild the foundations from out of your past. You'll be known as those who can fix anything, Pete. Restore old ruins. Rebuild and renovate. Make the community livable again. Okay, so... What we, Joe, that, that last bit, in, in a lot of translations, um, it talks about, uh, it actually says restore the restore of streets to live in. In, in other, this is the message, so it kind of... Now, think, for those of you who have been part of City Church Leeds for a long time, and, you know, maybe even before that, and a Molly was probably part of the church house and all that kind of stuff in Bradford, um, we came out of a vision of... of um, forgive me if the history is a bit dotted, I wasn't around then, but the vision of kind of two men, really, Bryn Jones and Kerry Jones, um, and part of something called Covenant Ministries. We're now called together. That's who we are a part of. So for the visitors here this morning, we are a part of something larger than ourselves. We are part of the body of Christ, but we are part of a family which is larger than ourselves called together. And it used to be called Covenant Ministries. And Bryn Jones, as far as I'm aware, who we regard as the apostolic kind of forefather before kind of Gareth, his mantra was, to be re- we need to be restorers of streets to live in. What we're doing in the strategy that I'm going to kind of explain, and which some of you probably already know, particularly if you're part of a life group, because you should have already had it shared with you from your life group leaders, that we are pulling out of our past those things which we, we've probably let go of, for whatever reason that might have been. So... In Isaiah here, you'll use the old rubbles of past lives to build a new, rebuild the foundations from your past. Let's, you know, restore of streets was the original vision. To be communities which our kids could play safe on the streets in, which we could, you know, I always remember my mother going, we used to leave our doors open and it was all fine. You know, to be a safe environment to which you could walk the streets without threat of anything nasty kind of happening to you, where you actually knew your next-door neighbor. I mean, probably a number of us know our next-door neighbors, but you knew them really well, not just to talk to and say hello to every now and again, but you actually knew them. And by by neighbor, I mean your street, you know. Um, This is something that we're grabbing from our past and we're pulling it into our present. Just as we're pulling from the future and we're pulling heaven down, We're connecting these two things again. So we're building on the foundations of old, but we're building something new and relevant for this time, but connected to things that have gone, that have, that have been. So another big and huge, huge thing that we used to live, breathe and eat was covenant. Covenant life together. True covenanted lives. I see the example of true covenant lives with all the kind of 20-somethings and 30-somethings best mates with their parents who, were, who became like family 
to, to theirs, you know, so it's just carried on down that, that line. So I'm talking about obviously Beth here and Kath and a number of others, uh, the heirs kids and Casey's kids, you know, they might not be here now, they might have gone off to do their own thing in the world, but they're like family to one another. And that's covenant. And if we're not careful, if we don't bring this idea, this, this idea of covenant back into practice, once again, we're going to lose that for the generations to come. And the consumerist society in which we live that tells you as soon as you buy something, you need another thing because that's now outdated, just like the iPhone. We're going to get that. And we just all we're going to breed. We need to go back to covenant and build on that covenant, that idea of covenant, and put it into practice once again. And that, again, cannot be achieved by two hours on a Sunday morning. It's about integrating lives somehow. And part of our prayers, I believe, for this year is going to be gone. How can we do that effectively? I haven't got an answer for you right now. I know that we can do teaching and we know we can do all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I think Stu said quite practically at a prophetic round table we were at yesterday, you can only psychologically have so many friends. So it's how do we work that one out? How do we make that happen? Again, what things do we need to put in place to make that happen again? And hopefully this strategy that, I'm, that we're sharing this morning is going to at least help us go some way towards rebuilding covenantal relationships again. So that we're a tight unit expressing something to the city about what it is to be people truly unified and together. And again, it's from beyond ourselves. It's from it's making relationships out there with other congregations and for myself, kind of other people who are influential in the city. And how can we do stuff together? How can we create social action together? How do we can get rid of inadequacies of this, this world together? And that comes by developing, as John said at the beginning at this gather conference, about relationship, prayer, and I'll add something else onto that, time. We spoke about it at the beginning. You know, Bill Johnson having this vision for a hundred years. We've got to give ourselves time in relationships. It's not relationships take some some relationships can just go and immediately you're their best friend forever and that's it. You just click. Some of us don't. It takes a takes a long time to build that trust, that accountability, that covenantal relationship. Again, I'm going to come on to this in, a, in just a second. But it takes time, five years, ten years, fifteen years. How long, you know, the cooks and the cases, just because you're there looking at me. I mean, how long were your families knowing each other? Twenty, thirty years, you know? It, it takes a long time. And uh, Grays as well, I do apologize. But, but, you know, there's loads of families in here that have that connection. You guys, you know, they've been around for a long time. Forgive me if I miss you out. I'm not going to go around saying everybody that would just be too much. So we're building things from the past. We're looking at where we come from and we're putting it into now, into today. And that's where the strategy comes from. Picture a mixing bowl. This is how we're going to attempt this strategy, how we're going to try and make this thing work. And I'm probably sure of you are aware now that what I'm alluding to is life groups. I've mentioned them over again that this is going to be our core strategy of of, of getting all these things that, that we're about to talk about into action. It's going to be life groups in whatever format and work they, way they work themselves out. So we've got this bowl. And what we're going to do is I'm just going to share some what we believe are principles of, of what we can apply to these life groups, which will enable us to reach beyond ourselves. Um, 
And these things I've shared with the leadership forum and they're happy and we believe that God has given us these principles. And again, it's just a starting point though, however, let's bear that in mind. God will morph and change and move as we go forward in time. But these are just the principles that for now we're going to stick to. That's why it didn't work. Let's try that again. There we go. So what's that? That's identifying the fact that we are to be relational, not organizational. That we are to invest time into one another. What I actually like about this picture is that there's some twos, there's some fives, there's some threes. You know, life groups don't have to be a certain size to be classed as a life group. They just have to be in a geographical place praying for and affecting that area. So they can be, it can be people of just two people meeting up and working through these principles of connection. Skipping ahead of myself. But again, to come back to the original point that John said, emphasis on local living. Prayer. We are to be places of powerful prayer. Um, I think it's in James 15. Let me see if I can find it. There was a scripture I was reminded of this morning. Uh, it talks about um, Elijah, you know, he, he, through prayer and through a relationship with, with the Father, stopped the rains, but in one prayer, he could bring the rain. You know, in one, that's how powerful it is. I haven't done that justice, but we have to be places of powerful prayer. And for most of you now who have been gradually circulating this book through most of you, um, the grace outpouring, most of you have this now. Um, in fact, in our life group, we're, we're working through it chapter by chapter in terms of kind of trying to really pull out some of the stuff that's in each chapter. Um, and, you know, in that book, it talks about the simple act of praying a prayer of blessing. Not only to one another, I'm not going to go through the book, you'll have to kind of find somebody who's got it and kind of look at it, but it's just that simple act of prayer and blessing, and, and blessing the land as well, of which they're a part, not just blessing one another, but blessing the land, that simple act of going, Lord, bless this land, and it's based in Wales, and they've seen some amazing stuff through the power of prayer, and so I'm challenging us as life groups to be houses of prayer where prayer is foundational to all that we do. Um, okay, so the next thing. Break bread and wine together regularly. You'll have noticed one of the things we do now on a Sunday, we've been doing it every week, breaking bread and wine. In Scripture it says, do this as often as you meet. We meet on a Sunday, so we break bread and wine together. In our life groups, want us to break bread and wine together more regularly so that in doing so, we recognize that anything that we're doing is not of us, but it's bound in the mission of Christ. Again, coming back to that, what's empire, what's kingdom? You know, if we were doing any kind of social action and Christ wasn't the center of it, we're doing it. It's a world, it's an empire mindset and not a kingdom mindset. So breaking bread and wine together helps us remember exactly why we're doing things and why we're doing them and who they're for. So break bread and wine together. Teaching and discipleship. These are biblical principles. I'm kind of, you know, there's, there's a pattern here. It's all in scripture. It's nothing, it's nothing complicated, is it? 
teaching and discipleship, suspending time in the Word and other books and materials, you know, like we're doing with the, the grace outpouring, and then applying that back to the Word. What does the Word say about it? Uh, and the challenge is for each and every one of us, that if you've not spent some time in the Word this week so far, or any time last week in the Word, you're missing out. You're missing out. Because to have a real relationship with God, let's read his word and let's talk to him through prayer. And we'll recognize his favor more and more. Because he wants to pour out his favor on us. But if we're not spending time with him, we're not going to recognize that favor when it's happening or even, you know, or whatever. So, this one here, kind of as it says, so number five principle, connect actively with local community groups. So other What's happening around your area? So around your life group and around that part of the city to which you identified yourself with, to which you traveled to, to be a part of this group. What is happening around that area? We're being very strategic here. What church groups are already on the ground in that, in that area? What are they doing? Can you approach them? Can you ask them? And can you say, we want to help you. We want to serve you. We simply want to bless you. Regardless of denominational, uh, denominational structure or expression of church, we want to help you. We want to serve you. What social action is happening around where you live? You know, whether it might not be church connected, it might be a very secular organisation. But what good stuff is happening physically, geographically around your life group that you can be a part of, or just simply pray for and bless? It'd be great if it could be a part of it and to serve that as well. But just to pray for and bless would be a good start, wouldn't it? Front room. We talk to each other, wouldn't it? Yeah? Wonderful. And then this one here. That says responsibility ahead. This is number six. Number six, principle. Not rules. Principle. Let's be accountable to one another. Genuinely accountable to one another. And that comes with developing that covenantal relationship. And let's be accountable to the leadership of which we have submitted ourselves. You know, because God's put them there for a reason. It wasn't just a lucky guess. Or a, a, a picking a, a, a black marble from a bunch of white marbles and going, ah, well, whose name's on that? There's a, there's a reason why people are in leadership. There's a reason why, regardless of where your political affiliations lie, why David Cameron is in leadership. Because God has put him there. God has put him there. I believe God works in everything. And whoever else is there next, God will have put him there. Let's believe that. Let's believe that God works in everything. Yeah? So be accountable to that. When we willingly make ourselves accountable to others, then these others can help us stay on track, focused, encourage us when we need strength and help us get them back on track when we start to stray. That's what accountability is. It's not submitting your life away. It's recognizing that those people with whom you're in covenantal relationship with can actually help you, encourage you, get you back on track and help you remain focused on the purpose of your life. It's a really positive thing. The world tells us that you should be out for yourself and you should look out for yourself. Let not that mindset interfere with this accountability idea. 
And then lastly, number six. I couldn't really find a picture for it, so I thought it'd be nice just to put a picture of the, the cross up there to remind us that Christ is the focus. And that that, for me, is representing honoring one another. Romans 12, 9 to 10 in the message says this. Love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Run for dear life from evil. Hold on for dear life to good. Be friends who love deeply. Practice playing second fiddle. (laughs) But practice playing second place to somebody else because what you're doing is you're pushing them you're helping them you're blessing them and that's completely kingdom and not at all empire what's that going to make so our bowl we've got all our ingredients together it's going to make this cake and i love about this kind of picture is that um i'll explain those ships in a second uh, that they're all different sizes, all different variations. Some have masts, some have engines, some whatever. But this is what that care, this is what those principles are going to make. They make our life groups, our deployed church. Let me remind you once again about a prophetic word regarding ships. And that's why I've put the pictures of ships up there. So this was from last year in one of the prayer and prophecy evenings. And it was, by, it was brought by a gentleman called Pete Toplis, a recognized kind of prophet in the UK. Sandra Dufty prophesied in 2001, and it was a vision of people in an expanse of water at the point of drowning, crying out to be rescued. And along came this rescue ship, which was huge. All the necessary medical facilities were on board this ship. It had everything. It let these nets down the sides, climbing nets, but very few people could make it into the ship because it was too big. The access was too difficult for them to get into. Only a few made it. The vision then changed so that instead of of that big ship, there were lots of small rowing boats, different sized vessels, which didn't have many facilities at all, yet people found it very easy in terms of access to be rescued. And so uh, far more were rescued in that situation than from the fully equipped, massive ship. And Pete goes on, I feel that whatever future building you have, it's not going to be an edifice, it's going to be a service center, and he goes on. I'm not going to read the rest of that, but it's this idea, this prophetic word about a ship. Now, the church, or this, this, this Sunday morning meeting, in essence, could be seen as that ship. That it's fully equipped, it's got everything we could possibly need, you know, in terms of this ship. It's got music, it's got preached word, it's got fellowship times together, it's got a a roof over our heads, it's got all this kind of stuff. But people out there find it difficult to access. And particularly in this building with the huge steps outside, you know, that you need a gas mask to get, uh, an oxygen tank to get to the top of. Um, It's huge, it's imposing. It's got everything they could need, all the love they could want. And when people do make it up their steps, thank you for coming this morning, there's a sense that I see which people talk about family, and they say there's a real sense of family here. And that's wonderful, but it's difficult to access. And so the prophetic word goes on to say, actually, it's replaced by these smaller ships. That not everything might be sewn on, not everything might be zipped up, you might not have everything nailed on, but they're much more accessible to the people out there still now hear me now i'm not suggesting we get rid of this in any way shape or form 
So let me repeat that once again, just in case people really don't understand what I've just said. I'm not suggesting we get rid of the gathering, the corporate gathering, this, because something powerful happens when the family of God gather together in his house and worship together and pray together. Something that is, is, is when you come in en masse corporately, it's just not, you just can't get quite there in terms of a smaller group. So this will not, this is staying, it's not going or moving. Sunday mornings or whatever it is will stay. But our emphasis is to build up those life groups, to build up those deployed church across the, the city with which we're connecting to other groups that are in those geographical locations, to other social action groups, that these groups are enabling us to really find covenant life together and that the groups in themselves can actually be self-sustaining. That if you want to do something that's in, you know, because each group has its own flavor and its own area and has its own needs in the area and the areas have their own needs, so they will be different. But you apply these principles to those places and see what happens. See who you touch just by merely being there and praying and geographically being there on that spot. So our original intent when we first moved into Leeds from Bradford was house church. About people meeting in houses and then it grew well, we're going to build on that foundation. We're not going to go back to just house groups because that's deconstructionism and I do not believe in deconstructing that much. But what we're going to do is raise the emphasis of these house church, these life groups, this deployed church. I'm trying to say it in so many different ways so you kind of understand what I'm, I'm talking about. And we're raising up the importance and the emphasis of these places. As we go on this journey, and John touched upon it this morning in prayer um, in, in, the, in the room there. As we begin this journey, as we begin to fulfill what God wants us to do, and don't forget, this is happening all over the country. Kingdom, not empire. Unity, not separation. We will find ourselves under attack. Spiritual, satanic attack. It's true. It's real. It will happen. And we need to be prepared for that. But we've got a big God who's bigger than anything else. My dad's bigger than your dad. Well, not yours, you know what I mean? Absolutely. So, you know, it will happen. But we've been praying this since, incidentally, since Pete Topless came amongst us. Um... And I'd like us to pray this together. Can, can, we, can we do that now? Just, just let's pray this together. You don't have to stand up, but just put your hands out. Receive this blessing. And then I'm going to explain further about this. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. That's amazing. What a blessing that is. And we're, we're probably all familiar with it, particularly the fact those of us that have been coming for a while and we, we do this every other day. But let's just put this verse into the Hebraic thinking 
of the day when it was written. Let's just think about this. Now, the Hebrew word for bless is this word barak, which literally means to kneel. A barakah is a blessing, but more literally, it's the bringing of a gift to another on bended knee. And when we bless God or others, we're in essence bringing a gift on bended knee. Isn't that a beautiful picture? Yeah? A true king is one who serves his people, who will humble himself and come to his people on bended knee. The Hebrew word for keep is shema, which literally means to guard. A related word is shamir, which means thorn. When a shepherd was out in the wilderness with his flock, he would construct a coral of thorn bushes to protect the sheep from predators, a guarding over the sheep. So the first bit of this um, verse here, we can, if we think about the Hebraic concept of these Hebrew words, we can read it as this. Yahweh, God, will kneel before you presenting gifts and will guard you with a hedge of protection. Let's read the rest of it. Yahweh will illuminate the wholeness of his being toward you, bringing order, and he will beautify you. Yahweh will lift up his wholeness of being and look upon you, and he will set in place all that you need to be whole and complete. We've been praying since beginning of last year, not only a blessing, but we've been praying protection over ourselves as well. So that as we're now moving into this new season and this strategy, we've already been putting in place in the heavenlies protection. But let's keep on keeping on. It's going to be a challenge. A real challenge. And it's going to be about compromise for some of us. It's going to be about sacrifice for even more of us to be a part of this deployed church. But it's a sacrifice that as the leadership and as the wider leadership and as those that have prayed and prophesied into this, I think it's a step that we need to take. So, the challenge is, if you are not part of a life group this morning, the challenge is that you get yourself part of a life group. That you get your name down. Now, on the, on the tables in front of you, there's a piece of paper that we've put out. It should be on every table. And what I'd like you to do is, is write your name on there and write the place which you identify with. And there's another column, isn't there? I can't remember what the other column says. What does the other column say? Yeah. And also, would you be willing to host a life group in your area? Because it can't... It can't ha- we've only got two or... We've got three, four, four life groups kind of happening at the moment. Maybe, yeah, about four. That's not enough if you want to reach this city, is it? 
And there's only just over 50% of us are actually part of a life group. So there's 50% of us who aren't part of a life group, or at least something that's helping us. So I need you to get your name down on those sheets and tell us where do you identify in this city. The one thing I brought from the Unity Conference was that if you want to see this city change, genuinely, you're going to have to learn to love it. Learn to love the city of which you are a part. Or at least act like you love it. You know, like sometimes they say in marriage, there'll be times in your marriage where you're going to have to just pretend that you love the other person because you're going through a tough time. Until eventually as you pretend that that thing comes back and you begin to, oh yeah, that's, that's why I fell in love with that person in the first place. We've got to love this city. We've got to have a heart for this city. And our strategy at City Church Leeds is that we raise up the life groups so that through those, in however, whatever shape they, they eventually end up being, we're reaching the city of which we are a part. And we're not just to have a cozy club on a Sunday morning. So I want to give you just a few minutes to fill in some of those sheets. If you have a real problem with not being part of a life group, or you really feel you can't compromise, or there's some, there's lo- there are absolutely genuine reasons why that might not be applicable to you. Absolutely. I still want to, I want to be able to talk to you. Just be able to understand why that is. So there's not a judgment thing going on there. Just I want to understand why that is. And so maybe together we can work through how we could potentially make it happen. So if you are a visitor here this morning and you kind of want to stick around, please put your name down. If you've been, a, been coming for a number of weeks and we've not yet approached you, forgive us. Forgive the leaders of life groups for not approaching you and saying, how are you? What's your name? Where are you from? Would you like to come and join this group that we, we do where we pray, where we teach, where we do all sorts of stuff? So I'm going to spend a few moments now just doing that. Okay, and then we're done. Forgive me if this seems quite blunt. It's kind of my job <laughs> to be this blunt, unfortunately. We really need to get as much many people on board this as we can because we believe this is what God is calling us to do. And, and if you don't believe that, I need to talk to you. I need to have a conversation with you. Because we need to set down our markers that we are serious about reaching this city for Christ. All right? So I'm going to give you a few more minutes, if you don't mind, Pat. Just a few more minutes as people write down. Let's do the thing while you're writing down as well. Life groups normally happen on a Tuesday. But again, there's flexibility in that. I remember that somebody told me, I don't know who it was, but they used to have house groups on a Tuesday night and a Wednesday night. And what would happen is one house group would look after the other house group's kids on the Tuesday and the other house group would look after the other house group's kids on a Wednesday. So that's a brilliant way in which families can really be a part and really be a part because there's that kind of babysitting structure as well. So there's no definitives it's got to be on a Tuesday. That can change.